It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. If you don't have Twitter, you can also call into the show and leave a voicemail anytime you want to with your questions, comments, takes, whatever it is, at 405-362-7128. That's 405-362-7128. And on today's show, we're going to give a bit of a coaching update quickly and then move on to the NBA draft. Now, it's uncertain right now when the draft will happen, but the draft will still be important for Oklahoma City. So we start with the coaching update, and there's no names as of right now. For full transparency, again, we're recording this a day ahead of time, so if news breaks on Thursday night, I'll, of course, have to re-record this whole show. So hopefully I don't have to do that. But as of right now, there's no candidate list, there's no hire, there's nothing. But what we do know right now, according to Shams of The Athletic, is that Sam Presti offered Billy Donovan a contract that was two years, a two-year extension before the bubble started. And the news of this to me is that it seems pretty clear Sam Presti didn't want Donovan back. I mean, you can look at this any way you want to, but for me, I kind of view this as, yeah, he wanted to say he offered Donovan a contract, but he knew Donovan would not accept that. The you know top three finisher and coach of the year it, as a free agent who is going to you know have the biggest market and the most robust market he's ever going to have in his NBA career, Billy Donovan will. He's not accepting a two-year extension for a team in these two years that is going to lose and is going to plan to lose. I've said all along the decision to come back or not to come back is on Billy Donovan, but two years is a is a laughable offer from Sam Presti and. And I get the feeling that that is just an offer he makes to be able to say he made an offer because no one could or should expect Billy Donovan to accept a two-year extension. Again, he's never going to have more leverage than he has right now as an NBA coach. And you're asking him to sign up and lock himself into two years in what you know you're going to lose. And then his future past that will be uncertain. And I've also said that this rebuild is not going to take 20 years like the Kings. It's not going to take 30 years like the Knicks. This is going to be a two- to three-year rebuild because you have 14 future first-round picks. You have Shea. You really just need to find one star in the draft, which is hard to do. You need to find one star to pair with Shea and Baisley and Dort, and then you can trade that future draft capital for a win-now player, and you're ready to compete right now. So the rebuild is exciting in Oklahoma City, but as a coach, you need more than a two-year guarantee. 
So this contract, I don't want to say it's a slap in the face, uh, but it just seems like Presti covering his bases to be able to say it was mutual and that you know he tried to get Donovan back because I just don't know how you can go to the table with a two-year contract and expect that to work. I just don't. And maybe there's something missing here from, from this puzzle. But from the outside looking in, if you say it out loud, it doesn't make sense why you would even offer a two-year deal, knowing he's going to decline it, unless you wanted to cover your bases, which I think Sam Presti wanted to do. As for where would Donovan go from here, still up in the air right now, uh, but there's a lot of teams interested in him, uh, a lot of teams in the NBA, and like I've told you before, every team in college for the most part would be over the moon to welcome back Billy Donovan to the college ranks. So that's all we have for the coaching search part of this, and I do want to move into the NBA draft part, and the NBA draft is proposed to start on November 18th. The draft has moved about three different times since in the in the bubble, and, and they've been trying to maneuver dates around this offseason. No one knows when the draft is happening. No one knows when free agency is happening, and surely no one knows when the next season will start. But it's proposed right now that the draft will happen November 18th. And we haven't gotten to do a lot of draft coverage on this show. I didn't take over until May. And, of course, we had the postseason to talk about. But the draft is something I look forward to every year in the NBA. I love the NBA draft. And I want to talk about this class because there's a lot of misconceptions about this NBA draft class. So you've heard all along how bad this draft class is and how the next year and the year after that is going to be just phenomenal. And part of that is true. The 2021 class... The 2022 class is going to be, I think, some of the most talent-rich classes you're going to find. It's just, it's just literally talent. Again, Cade Cunningham is like the consensus seventh best player in next in the next year's draft. I mean, Cade Cunningham's the seventh best player. I feel pretty comfortable saying Cade Cunningham would go number one overall in this class, and he's number seven in next year's class. So that kind of puts it in perspective for you. However, just because there's no franchise-changing players does not mean that this is a bad draft class. Yes, if you're picking with the Knicks pick, if you're picking with the number one overall pick with the, with the Timberwolves, if you're picking at number two with the Warriors, if you're picking up there, pretty bad draft class. Tough luck that you got a number one overall pick in a year in which not only is there not a clear number one, but there's not really anyone you could see as a franchise-changing player. I think that Anthony Edwards gives you the best shot at changing your franchise, but still, it's not a guarantee. It's not a Luka. It's not a Trey Young. It's not a Zion. It's not a John Morant. So that's tough for the top teams. But I will say, this draft class is one of the deepest draft classes because I can rattle off like 50 names that I look at and say, you know what? They can have a long-term NBA career. A starter in this league for for a long time, a six-man in this league for a long time, a bench player for a long time. They can have a role in the NBA, which is pretty hard to do. It's incredibly hard to change a franchise, but it's also really hard to stay in the NBA. And that's why I think with the Thunder picking at 25 with the Nuggets pick, and if they could have retained their own pick in the top 20, if picking in the 20s in this draft is actually going to be very beneficial because there are so many role players who can help you win and help you win now. And in an offseason for these winning teams, you know, like the, like the Clippers, like the Lakers, 
uh, you know, like those teams at the you know Boston, for these teams trying to win. This is a beautiful draft class because there are a lot of veteran college players. You know, there's some one and duns, of course, but there's also some older college players in this draft, uh, and there's a lot of players who I look at and I think can make an impact and win right away and, and truly compete right away and, and feel comfortable playing them in the NBA. I mean, look how many players have helped winning teams. You scroll down this list here, uh, you know, Toronto at, the, at 29, Boston at 30. Those two teams can get a ton of help. The Lakers at 28. Of course, the Clippers lost their pick to New York, and they'll pick at 27. But Boston again at 26. Boston in this draft can really clean up. They have 14, they have 26, and they have 30. And, and this is why even when the Thunder get those draft assets back and you assume that, hey, they're going to be low in the draft, look at this draft class. Yes, Boston at 14, at 26, at 30 is not going to get a Zion, a Luka. But they can get a Tyler Hero. They can get a Matisse Thibel. They can get a guy that can come in right away next year and help them get over the hump and help them win a championship. Be a huge help and a complimentary piece for them. And that's where this draft class, I think, gets lost in the shuffle. Yes, there's no top talent, but I would love, if I'm a contending team, to be able to put right away, put R.J. Hampton into the mix. Put Cole Anthony into the mix. Nico Mannion, I think, is going to be a great NBA player. I would love to, to have these type of guys. Sadiq Bey. I would love to have these type of guys that, that I think can make an impact day one. There are some projects in this draft class for sure, but I feel comfortable that most of this draft class can play day one. I mean, you look down the, the typical top 30 names, okay? You just start looking at who would be a project. I think that the, the center from USC, a bit of a project in the NBA, how does he translate? I think James Wiseman, a bit of a project in the NBA because we didn't get to see him play in college. He's a 7-1 center who has had motor issues in high school, who has had defensive issues in high school. A lot of that could be because he was just better than everyone in high school and he didn't try as much, but he didn't get to rectify those mistakes at college because of the whole Penny Hardaway situation. So I wouldn't feel gung-ho about immediately relying on a guy like James Wiseman or the center from USC. But Colin Hayes, I would love to put him in the mix right now. Tyrese Halliburton is an NBA player. That Ohio, that, that Iowa State system breeds NBA-ready talent. Aaron Naismith, I think, is a, is a great player. I do think he'll take some time to get up to NBA speed, coming from Vanderbilt. From Vanderbilt. But mostly everyone else, I think, can compete right away. And we'll talk all about the players who I love and if the Thunder can get the Knicks, the Knicks pick at eight right after this. But first, I want to tell you about our good friends over at DoorDash. DoorDash is a fantastic food delivery app that brings you all the food that you'll ever need within the hour. Between never-ending laundry cycles and incoming emails, you've got plenty to do on your to-do list. Give yourself one less thing to worry about and let DoorDash take care of your next meal. DoorDash is an app that brings your food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely 
outside your door with a new contactless delivery option. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, and Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos and choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local restaurants, and your food will be left right outside your door. DoorDash deliveries are now contactless to keep communities operating in a safe manner. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off of your next delivery with no delivery fees when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code LOCKDOWNMBA. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees of your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and use promo code LOCKDOWNMBA. Don't forget, that's code LOCKDOWNMBA for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So I did want to start this second segment by talking about Chris Paul and the draft coming up for Chris Paul because draft night is typically a night in which uh, moves happen. And in a year like this where the cap is going to go down, Teams don't really have a lot of money and don't want to spend a lot of money in the open market because they do want to save their money for the next offseason and for the for free agency coming up. What's gonna how teams are gonna improve is gonna be by matching contracts and, and getting trades. So you come off of the same amount of money that you're gonna receive with Chris Paul, and your cap number for the next year doesn't change because you came off of the same amount of money. You match those contracts. And Chris Paul is probably gonna be the most important asset for these teams that want to improve. And the Knicks have been the team involved the longest. We've, we've seen Milwaukee jump in the fray. We've seen Philadelphia jump in the fray. But the Knicks, since the trade went down to bring Chris Paul to Oklahoma City, the Knicks have wanted Chris Paul. And they got Leon Rose in there now, uh, who has a strong connection to Chris Paul. And that makes Thunder fans wonder, could they get that seventh pick? Could they get that Knicks pick? And I understand, or eighth pick, I'm sorry, eighth pick. And I understand why you would think that. And I do think that there's some um, credibility to that. So you look at the, the Knicks, right? They own the 27th pick as well as the eighth pick. Assuming you trade Chris Paul to, to New York, which is a big assumption, let's just work out a trade here. You would at least have to get one of those picks. Because you look at this Knicks roster, it's clear that the Thunder will get a, a asset back or multiple assets back for Chris Paul. The Knicks don't have assets. They just don't. And, and the assets they do have, there's no way in hell they're going to part with them. Not for Chris Paul especially. They're not going to give away R.J. Barrett. They're not going to give away Mitchell Robinson. Not for Chris Paul. So the only thing they have left to give up is that eighth pick. And I think that, honestly, with how desperate Milwaukee will be, with how desperate Philadelphia will be, I think, honestly, the 27th pick doesn't get it done alone. And we're only talking about picks here with them because they'd be silly to give up R.J. Barrett or Mitchell Robinson in return for Chris Paul. And why would they want to do it right now? It makes all the sense in the world to me why they would give up the 8th pick. Now, it might seem funny on the surface, uh, but 
You look at how well Chris Paul played this year, got himself in the MVP conversation. Uh, that can be a draw for Knicks fans, whether we get to go to games or not. It at least uh, creates excitement in the fan base. So, furthermore, he's also a really good player. And in the East, he could be the difference in you getting to the postseason, getting back to that postseason mark. And why would you want to trade that eighth pick? You know for sure this is an eighth pick. Why not trade one down the road? Well, you don't know how Chris Paul will be down the road. What if you trade the Thunder a pick for 2022 in a loaded draft class and Chris Paul falls apart? And, you know, your team is terrible because the Chris Paul experiment is over. What if that happens? And then you give the Thunder an even higher pick in a more talented class. Would you rather have, if you're the Knicks, Obi Toppin, who I am incredibly high on, or Chris Paul? Now, for me, I'd rather have Obi Toppin if I'm the Knicks. If I'm the Knicks and I know that, yeah, I can get Chris Paul, but that really just means getting to the playoffs in the East, which... If, if we make some subtle moves here and there and we really wanted to make the playoffs, we could do that. I'll keep Obi Toppin. Now, if the Knicks wanted to win and go all in and just make these crazy amount of trades this offseason, then sure, give up Obi Toppin. Uh, but I will say, if they're serious about getting Chris Paul, what trades are out there that make sense that, that both the Knicks would do and the Thunder would do? Because the Knicks aren't moving off of R.J. Barrett and Mitchell Robinson for... Chris Paul, either one of those guys for Chris Paul. And other than that, the Knicks don't have young pieces that the Thunder would want. So you could protect yourself by giving up that eighth pick for Chris Paul and protect your future just in case that this Chris Paul thing doesn't work out. So it, it makes more sense than it than what it seems on the surface. On the surface, it's kind of unbelievable. We're having a conversation about the uh, Thunder getting a top 10 pick back for Chris Paul after the, the talk a year ago today, being, well, you're going to have to give up assets to move off of Chris Paul's contract. But for the Knicks, yeah, that's kind of his value because you'd rather go up Obi Toppin than R.J. Barrett or than Mitchell Robinson. You'd rather go up whoever that eighth pick is than those guys. And other than that, you don't have any assets. So, let me know what you th- you guys think that a trade would go down with for the Chris Paul and the Knicks because I think that that's the most interesting trade package because it does I could see why Knicks fans would say what are you talking about why would we give up the eighth pick but I can see where Thunder fans are like well then what are you going to give us we're not just going to do this for you know a cap swap for 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 money swaps we're going to get assets back and, and, and the thing that helps the Thunder a lot is Milwaukee being desperate and that's what I talked about before the postseason I said look. Someone's going to go out early and get incredibly desperate. And you've got the, the Sixers going out early uh, thanks to the Ben Simmons injury. Uh, I think that they would have won that series had Ben Simmons not been hurt. But still, uh, they went out early. They're feeling a little bit desperate right now. You had the Bucks going out in an embarrassing fashion. Again, the Giannis injury hurts them. But still, even with Giannis, they played poorly. So you've got two teams now that are absolutely desperate to make a move. And then you've got the Knicks, who are just who have just wanted Chris Paul for so long, and they kind of don't want to lose out on a guy that they've penciled in since August. I mean, seriously, they've been tracking this guy for a year, trying to get him in New York. And you've got to pay the piper. And the Thunder kind of hold that leverage. So could the Thunder get that eighth pick? For sure, they could. Uh, but I don't know how realistic it is. Let me know your trade packages for... Chris Paul on any team, but specifically the New York Knicks. You can tweet them at me at Rylan underscore styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I. 
LAS or call into the show 405-362-7128. That's 405-362-7128. I also want to tell you about our good friends over at Built Bar because Built Bar is a fantastic protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, get $10 off that next order. They have so many amazing flavors, including six new flavors of caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Built Bars are soft and easy to chew with 100% chocolate on the outside. You're going to want to try some Built Bars. Built Bars are great for the health-conscious person losing or maintaining weight, indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great for the keto diet, great for post-workout, great for pre-workout, and even great as a meal replacement. Go ahead and use these as your breakfast. Go to BuiltBar.com right now. Use promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get $10 off that next order. That's code LOCKEDON to get $10 off that next order at BuiltBar.com, and you'll get a free cooler while supplies last. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So it's Friday, which means it's time for Stock Watch Friday, NBA Draft Edition. Yeah, they're penny stocks. I told you not to sell. You did not tell me not to sell. I said the market fluctuates, remember? Well, what are you going to do about this stock? I'm keeping it. I'm going down with the ship. Celebrate with our weekly act of debauchery. So we open up the stock market for the NBA draft with Cole Anthony. Now, when I was doing the NBA draft coverage and, and, and doing built, uh, you know, big boards and things like that, at the start of the year, Cole Anthony was my number two overall prospect. Not the year he wanted in college. With UNC, he goes for 18.5 points, five rebounds, four assists, a 45% effective field goal percentage. Not the year he wanted at North Carolina. Ups and downs as a team uh, and ups and downs for himself. He ran into a ton of injury problems, uh, even undergoing that meniscus injury in his right knee. Uh, but I do want to take away all of the uh, college you know, game in, game out things uh, because Roy Williams even has talked about it before. He put so much pressure on himself, he wasn't playing as himself, which can be a big problem for a guy like Cole Anthony. But while he was my number two prospect, prospect at the beginning of the year, I don't think he goes anywhere close to two in the draft. So you're going to go to a team that can allow you to relax and allow you to kind of find your footing around that 13, 14, 15, 16 range in there is where I think that Cole Anthony will go. So my big issue with Cole Anthony was the defense. At 6'3", with a 6'4", wingspan, he played some terrible defense. Now he plays hard. And he understands what he needs to do. He just doesn't have the size or ability. Like, he's a smart player, and he tries really hard. It just doesn't pan out. And he's someone, Cole Anthony is, that's going to be just absolutely abused by these elite guards in the NBA. And I don't know if you've realized this or not, but guards kind of rule the league right now. 
there's not really a game in which you can hide a card defender. Uh, you know, especially on, on most of these rosters, you're going to get switched on to some high-level guards like a Damian Lillard, like a Steph Curry. And Cole Anthony, while he tries his hardest, just is not very good defensively. But the effort is there. So while the defense was a, pot, was a negative in college, and that kind of worries you because you're not facing off with guys of Chris Paul and Steph Curry's ilk at Wake Forest, whenever you're, whenever UNC takes on Wake Forest. But at least he gives effort. And defense is mostly effort. So maybe a very defensive sound coach on whatever coaching staff he ends up on can mold him into a better defender. He is very dangerous in transition. He, again, is a smart basketball player. So off the ball as a defender, he can make some things happen. When he gets isolated, which is what's going to happen a lot in the NBA and happens more in the NBA game than the college game, it's not going to work out too well. But he is smart. He's a very smart basketball player. He can finish with both hands, which is what you've seen Darius Baisley do this year for the Thunder. And you've heard all about how being ambidextrous helps basketball players and helps them drive to the rim. And so whenever you're 6'3", you need any advantage you can get whenever you're going to that rim. So that's great that he can finish with both hands. I will say, he's a very... Very, very talented shooter. If he can improve his playmaking even a little bit, Cole Anthony could end up being one of the steals of this draft. Because he, to me, is off the charts in the try-hard chart. If you're just going off of who tries the hardest, Cole Anthony would be like the, the first or second prospect, which is a big thing. His shooting, he would be a, a top, I would say what, top five, top ten prospect in shooting. He's very athletic. He's a little bit undersized for the defensive end of the floor, and he does not have the playmaking necessary to be a point guard, which is going to be the role he has to fit into. So the project with Cole Anthony is going to be figuring out how to maximize him defensively because he'll give you the effort you need him to give you, but picking your spots defensively and figuring out the matchups that you can use and hide him with. And then you're also going to need to figure out how to make him a playmaker. He's got to be a better passer. He's got to be a better facilitator. He's got to have better court vision on offense. He's got to do that or else his NBA career is not going to go the way he wants it to. Because while Shea at times struggles as a playmaker, he also has the size and ability offensively to play off the ball. Cole Anthony off the ball is fine, but that's not his asset for his offensive game in terms of scoring and creating for his for himself. He needs to create for other people because he's going to have to be a point guard. He just is. He's going to have to be a point guard. But I'm still buying all of the Cole Anthony stock. Just like I'm still buying all of the RJ Hampton stock. I fell in love with RJ Hampton before the season. Uh, he, he should have gone to Kansas, but instead he went overseas to play in New Zealand, uh, you saw his New Zealand Breaker squad run up against the Oklahoma City Thunder this preseason. And just like Cole Anthony, RJ Hampton did not have the season he was hoping for. He just didn't. Nothing kind of went his way in New Zealand. I believe he ran into some injury issues, but he finishes uh, his season averaging eight points, two assists on a uh, 45% shooting in the effective uh, field goal percentage. He, he's going to fall to like the 20s, I think. And the talent is still there, I think. Now, I would understand why people don't like R.J. Hampton as much as I do. I would understand why people are selling R.J. Hampton stock. 
because those issues he had in high school weren't even close to being changed in New Zealand. I mean, if you followed his recruiting process, everyone talked about how he's just a much of a pure athlete he is, but he can't shoot the ball. He doesn't have good footwork. He does not go strong to the rim. He just relies on his raw ability more so than like refining his passes. Just kind of relies on the fact that he knows where he wants to throw the ball and not really how the ball gets there to his guy. He didn't change any of that in New Zealand, which is a red flag. But in the NBA, with NBA coaching, all of that stuff is pretty well fixable. Now, the jump shot is concerning for sure, but again, you look at that shooting form, I don't think it's totally broken. Now, maybe he's never going to be a good shooter, but if you can get him to go up strong at the rim, if you can get him to work on his footwork and defense, if you can get him to take passing more seriously and not be as lazy with his passes, you've unlocked a new player for RJ Hampton. You've unlocked a new level for RJ Hampton. And that's why those red flags are why he's going to fall to like 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, somewhere in that range. So I've struggled with whether I want to buy or sell RJ Hampton, but he was another one of my guys who early on in this year, I was very high on and you just never could pan out in Australia. I do want to in the first stock watch Friday of the NBA draft season with LaMelo Ball because LaMelo Ball is a very polarizing figure and I've gone back and forth with LaMelo Ball. I've I've went as far as to say he's going to be way better than uh, Lonzo. He's going to be a fantastic player and he's going to be incredible and I've gone, well, he still struggles to shoot and he still doesn't have a, a clean looking jumper, but he's only 18 years old. At 6'7", he's kind of a modern-day point guard, the kind of guy you want handling the ball. The issue is that he's not a great passer with that size. I mean, if he was a fantastic passer, I would love to see what LaMelo Ball could do. Uh, but I like what he can do. He remind Now, let me be clear on this. To me, him next to Shea would be a disaster. So if, you're, if you have some pipe dream of wanting LaMelo Ball in Oklahoma City, I just don't see how those two guys fit in my opinion, but you just look at what he does and he hasn't shot very well and he does not have the clean shot mechanics that you would assume could be fixed. I mean, that low release has worked for some guys like Sean Marion, but it's probably not going to work for the mental ball. And that's where I feel so iffy about him because if I don't think he can overhaul his shot, then he has to be a great passer, which he is not. But he's only 18 years old. And I think that you'd be silly to not take LaMelo Ball by pick three. I think if LaMelo Ball is 18, as an 18-year-old who has an amazing uh, basketball IQ, who kind of understands what he needs to do on the floor, he can handle the ball uh, just at will. Uh, I, I love the way he handles the ball. So if he gets that passing down, then he becomes an even better playmaker, which is already a strong suit for him. And if you look at that shot and look at and look at his his threes and think maybe you can turn it around, that's kind of all you really need him to do. I mean, we're kind of nitpicking with Lamelo Ball. If you can figure out a way to get his shot better and to make him a better passer, then he's far and away one of the best players in this draft. And he's a he's a player that can be your number two guy. When you're ready to rebuild, again, I've always said you need three guys. You need a big three to win in most markets. You need a big three. Most of the time, you need a big three. I think LaMelo is a number two. And that's a big deal. 
and I think that you'd be silly to let him go past four. I just have questions about his shot. I have questions about his passing ability. While his decision-making is pretty good, while his dribbling is off the charts, I do struggle with the way he makes the passes. It's the same thing with RJ Hampton. Uh, it's the same way with Cole Anthony. They're making the right decisions, but the, the way the ball gets from point A to point B is not the most efficient, and I struggle with that with LaMelo Ball. Uh, so LaMelo Ball, I'm selling the stock because it's gotten so high. Like, it's so high up there that people think he's going to be the number one overall pick, even though I think it should be Anthony Edwards without a doubt. And people are saying he's going to be great, he's going to be elite, and he's going to be this and that, and, and it's kind of going overboard again, just like I did with Lonzo. So I'm going to sell the stock right now, but I do think he's like a top, you know, I think he's the second best player in this draft, But and you'd be silly to let him go past three. Uh, but it's depending on your feel of Colin Haynes, who's kind of a mystery right now for most people from France. I would say he's my number two. I would say it's Edwards and, and Ball. And I would take Edwards without question. I would say, though, if you're someone who loves Ball and wants him to be number one, I can't fight you on that too much. He just needs to work on passing. The passing is what's big for me. Because the shot, while it's kind of frustrating that he can't shoot, it's not like Andre bad. Like, it's not that bad. My issue with the passing is he uses like a $10 pass whenever a penny pass would do. Like... You don't need to spend $10 on the flashy pass. All you need to do is give the guy a penny, and you're good. That kind of, that kind of in a basketball sense, you're think, probably thinking of Penny Hardaway. I meant like the actual penny, like the like the currency. So still, penny passes are good too, Penny Hardaway, but, but also pennies. So that's kind of the first stock watch of the NBA draft. I did go a little bit long today, uh, but we will come back next Friday and complete guys on this stock watch like James Wiseman, like Anthony Edwards and Sadiq Bey and Therese Halliburton and Obi Toppin, my guy, Nico Mannion, and even Devon Dotson. And a lot more because we have a lot of time between now and November 18th. And you have a lot of time to follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. And call into the show 405-362-7128. That's calling into the show 405-362-7128. Leave a voicemail anytime and it will be played on the podcast. This is Locked on Thunder, your only daily Thunder podcast about the Oklahoma City Thunder every single day. So subscribe to the show and leave a five-star iTunes review with a question, and I will answer it on the show as well. Be good, and be good to one another. We'll see you next time on Locked on Thunder. Perfect ending to a historic day! Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.